Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Well, good morning. God is so good, isn't he? Yes, indeed. Well, we've been covering a series called Increasing Our Faith in God. And we're covering it a little bit different than you're probably used to covering uh, increasing our faith in God. Uh, but regardless, everything that we have covered, it takes increased faith in order to uh, walk in these things. Uh, you're not going to walk in these things if you don't have faith in God and, and if your faith is not increasing. And uh, I'm trying to increase my faith because I don't want to uh, be in stress or anxiety or any of those things, worrying about anything. And I want to uh, really have my mind, start having control over my mind in those areas. So for the, about three weeks ago, we started uh, teaching four things that would help us to start gaining control over our minds. And I covered two that first uh, Sunday, and we said we wanted to think the thoughts of God. Because our thoughts are not like his thoughts. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor your ways, my ways, says the Lord. So we covered that and we covered the second one, which was totally trust God. Totally trust God. We covered that. Uh, But we didn't finish the other two. So last week, we covered one of those. And that was exciting to me. I enjoyed uh, that one um, because it it was something that really touched me, is that uh, we must be in unity with God. We must be in unity with God. And we weren't talking about unity with one another. We were talking about unity with God, oneness with God, and things of that nature. So that was last week. This week, we'll finally get to the fourth one that we started three weeks ago. And that one is that we must pursue intimacy with God. We must pursue intimacy with God. And uh, that one, uh, let me explain just a a couple things there. Uh, What I'm meaning when I say pursue uh, is to seek or to really aim at. That's what I want to do. I want to seek or aim at. And uh, I don't want to get in the uh, the other area of pursuit, and that pursuit is when you're chasing something down that's trying to get away. Uh, that's not the pursuit I'm talking about. God is not trying to get away. He's not trying to uh, not be found. He's, he's not running away from us. He's, he's running towards us. Uh, so, uh, that pursuit is really we're seeking, we're seeking that intimacy. We're, we're aiming at that intimacy. That's what we're doing, aiming at it. And when I say intimacy, I don't mean the intimacy between husband and wife uh, that, that way. I, I, what I mean is closeness, closeness. It is, it's, it's, uh, one of the definitions is, is like a close friend, a close friend. And you know, you, you have friends, but some friends are not as close as other friends. You have some real close friends. And last, last week we were talking about this just, just a little bit in that uh, when you're talking about a close friend, uh, Jesus calls us friends. And we said, well, how close are we to our friend Jesus? Uh, are, we, are we really what people call tight, really tight? You know, we talked about that uh, where... Our life is hid with Christ in God. We know that, uh, well, we know the Holy Spirit is in us. We know that uh, Jesus and, and the Father will come, uh, just manifest himself to us as we really obey him. Uh, so we talk about that type of uh, closeness where he says in his word that, you know, uh, I'm in the Father and the Father in me. How close is that? You see? 
We're talking about where you can't tell them apart, where you, when you hear one, you hear, the, you hear the other one. When you see one, you see the other. And that's the tightness we're talking about. And so that's why uh, Jesus could say, you know, uh, how long have I been with you? Uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's that tight relationship we're talking about. And so that's what we want to uh, seek after. That's what we want to aim at, that type of closeness to our friend, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about, we're going, we're going to go through three scriptures today. And out of those three scriptures, we're going to pull a few things that will help us to uh, really uh, pursue or seek this intimacy that we're talking about. Uh, we're going to first go to James. Let's look at the the, the, um, the epistle of James, chapter 4. Let's go there. And this, this uh, the background of this, uh, we're not going to teach this. We're just using, pulling some things out of it to apply to the subject today. And it was talking about uh, the source of quarreling and conflicts among among you, he said, it, uh, is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. So it, it was talking about that. Um, let's go down to verse 3. He was telling us that we ask and we do not receive because we ask with wrong motives so that you may Spend it on your pleasures. So these are things that it is, he's going over with them. Uh, and, and so James is trying to let them know is that uh, you can't be an adulteress and say you're adulteresses. Uh, do you not know that friendship, in verse 4 now, friendship, we just finished talking about friends. We said that when you are pursuing intimacy, we're pursuing intimacy, meaning closeness with a friend, with our friend Jesus. We want to be close to our friend. He said, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So God doesn't want us intimate with the world. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want us, you know, very, very close to the world where you can't tell us apart. When you see uh, the, the uh, world system, you see our system of operation. No, we can't do that. And that's what he's saying there. That, that's, uh, that's hostility towards God. So we have to avoid that. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So we are not, we are not going to be pursuing, seeking after, aiming at the world being our close friend. We're not going to do that. So here are a few things, these takeaways from this scripture that applies to what we want to do today of how do then, how do we pursue intimacy with God? How do we pursue intimacy with God? Well, first of all, let's look at verse 7. We're going to do 7 and 8 and close it out. This verse here, section of scriptures, we're going to pull two things out of here. We're going to submit to God. It says, submit therefore to God. So if we're going to pursue that closeness where you can't tell us apart, he says, submit yourself to God. And if we're going to submit, that means that we have to yield our way. We can't do our own thing. We can't. Do what we want to do, when we want to do it, with whom we want to do it. 
We can't do that because it doesn't develop that intimacy. We want to be where we are submitting our will to his will, our way to his way, our thoughts to his thoughts, our words to the way way he speaks, we speak. And we talked about that last week. So the first thing we're going to do is submit. You can't do the second one if we don't do the first one. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So if he says submit yourself to God, then the next thing is do is, verse 4, or verse, the last part of verse 3, verse 7, resist, resist, resist the devil. That's what we, we want to do. Submit to God, resist the devil. Now, what is he going to do if we resist him? He said that he's going to flee. He's going to flee. And flee does not, I don't picture a casual walking away. I don't, I don't do that. Um, when he says, this man, if he's a football player, this man, he's a fleet-footed running back. Fleet-footed, it means he's kind of slow. No, oh, no, he is fast. So when he says that you submit yourself to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee. He's going he's gonna to get his hat and coat, and he's gone. He's gone. Now, we, we, we know that scripture, but I don't think we dwell on it enough that the devil is the one who causes us a lot of time to think. He throws these thoughts out there. And just to see whether you're going to grasp that thought or not. He's going he's to put this situation uh, before you and see whether you're going to fall for it. You know, he's going to say, have God said? To see whether you're going to uh, say, uh, I'm not sure. Then you know what he's going to say. Uh, I tell you what God said, and then he's going to tell you a lie, you see. So you have to know what God says. And so he says here that we are going to submit ourselves to God, and we're going to resist him. And then we're going to draw near to God. You say, well, I'm, I'm already near to him. You are not near enough, believe me. I am not near enough. You are not near enough. You can't get near enough in this flesh that we're in. You say, well, my flesh is pretty nice. Well, I don't know what kind of flesh you have, you know, because the word of God tells me there is no good thing in the flesh. But maybe, maybe now, he meant everybody else except you. What do you think? No, he meant all of us. There's no good thing in any of our flesh. No good thing in the flesh. So there's no good thing in the flesh. So I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, be thinking I'm, I'm, I'm close enough to God. Because I get too close, he might meddle in my business. No, no. You want him to meddle in your business. You know, and get rid of your business. <laughs> That's what he wants. You see, so we're going to submit to God. Number one, we're going to do what? Resist the devil. We're going to draw near to God. Then he says to cleanse your hands. Now, we know that he says draw near to God, and he would draw near to you, but that's not something we do. That's something that he's going to do because of what we are doing. But it says, uh, cleanse your hands. That's something for us to do. Cleanse our hands. And you say, well, I washed my hands today. This morning, I really did. I washed them. Well, that's not what he's talking about. 
he, he's talking about really the spiritual implications that we, our hands are, are things that we, we do, and we want to make sure they're clean. So we want to clean the things that we do, cleanse them, make sure they're what God wants us to do. Because he wouldn't have said, you sinners, if, 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 if our hands are already clean. And it says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. So, obviously, our hearts are not like they should be. So, what we do is not what everything we should be doing. And how we think and our motives for doing things are not pure either. So, we have to get our motives pure. We have to get our the things we do pure. These are things that he is saying that as, as, as you're submitting to me, as you're resisting the devil, as you're drawing near to me, I'm going to draw near to you, but as I'm drawing near, I want you to cleanse your hands. I want you to purify your heart because we know that when God comes closer, we know that everything that's not godly is going to get burnt up, going to get scorched. We know the prophets, they, prophet, they, 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 they're going to get close to God, and they'll already tell you, oh, no, God, I find lips there unclean. That God didn't say, well, they're clean enough. No. No, he's going to put some coals right there on the lips and purify those lips. So God is not, like, chasing us and, and, and telling us we are no good. You, you know, you just... Trifling? No, he's just telling us that if you want this relationship with me, there's a price that comes with it. So I want you to draw near. I want you to submit. I want you to resist. But in the meantime, as I'm coming, make sure you cleanse your hands. Make sure you're purifying your heart. Have the right motives about things. Because you know why you do things, and sometimes other people, they don't. Because we have a tendency to tell people things. They say, why are you, why are you doing this, or why don't you do this? They'll, they'll say something that sounds spiritual, but it's really not true. It's really not the, the motive in their heart. It's really not. And so somebody can ask you something, and you do tell them something that they want to hear, but it's really not the truth. And and um, if they really knew, they'll say, that's not the truth. But see, they don't know all the time. But God wants us to know our heart because uh, and the, the way that I like to try to do that and ask people to do that is God. Help me. My heart is not right before you. I know I have impurities in my heart. Get impurities out. I don't know everything, but I know sometimes uh, I say yes when I mean no. Sometimes I say no when I should have said yes. God, I need you to help me. I need you to help me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That you really, you know, you, you really, you know you're doing things, but your motive is not really like God wants it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes uh, if, you're, if you're married or sometimes, or if, you, if you're uh, in here and you're a young adult and uh or listening to me on Facebook, and you're young adult, sometimes your parents might ask you to do something. She says, sure, I'll do it. But you, in, your, in your heart, you're saying, man, I don't want to do this. But you do it, but your motive is wrong because you, you know that later tonight you're going to ask for money. And there's no point in asking if you done made her mad. Or him mad, there's no need to do that. So you, you, you know, 
a lot of times we do things and we do it with we don't do it for the right motive because our motive is to get what we want, and that's that's not good. That's not good. Sometimes our our, our motives are so. Uh, I've had some twisted motives for doing things. I'm serious, and 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 I'm sure you have. Well, I'm not sure you have, but I I, <laughs> I suspect you have. Uh, Sometimes I don't want to do something, and I give one of these spiritual answers. Well, you know, um, God's not. He's just not impressing me to do that right now. I just don't want to do it. So you put this spiritual thing on it, you know, put the spiritual thing on it. I, I don't have the time. I'm, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do some things to get right with God, and, and I just don't have the time right now. And you let somebody else ask you to do something that you want to do, you got plenty of time. You, know? you just didn't want to do the other thing. Wait, wait, wait. We got to get real with God because God knows us anyway. And he, he's saying, look, I want you to submit everything to me, your will, your motives, your time, everything, your, your gifts, everything. And, and it's not a Christian that doesn't have a gift. Not a Christian. Because God has gifted us. And he didn't make in a, in a, in a, in a, anybody, and then you give your life to him, and he said, well, I have no use for you. Come on. That's not, that's not God. God wants to use you. And so all you have to do is say, God, use me in any way you want me to be used. Now, I, I really would really love to sing because I sing in a shower. And I sound so good in the in the shower. I would like to be on that worship team. And you know that, that that's fine. But if he hasn't gifted you to do that, uh, you you might need to be maybe in the sound department during the worship time, and and help that way. Uh, but not necessarily to sing. And then some people can sing and won't sing. So it's just all sorts of things that God says, submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and all the things he's telling you. Well, you don't need to do that. You know, they're going to just use you up. You know, you start doing that, and they're going to want you to sing every Sunday. You know? Oh, my goodness gracious. The enemy is going to tell you stuff. I'm going to tell you. He said, draw near to God. And I draw near to you. In the meantime, now you cleanse your hands and you purify that heart. You know, get your heart right. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Isn't God good to tell us stuff? Sometimes we don't want to hear it. But it's true. Because it's the word of God. I want to pull a couple things out of this, maybe three. Now, this section of Scripture, you know that's, this is also. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holding and stuff in your, his sight, which is your spiritual act of worship. Now, that's the first verse, and then it says, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may know what the good and perfect and um, acceptable will of God is. We know those two verses. Let's pull a couple of things out of there and, and apply it to what we're talking about, drawing near to God. Talking about getting that intimacy, getting that closeness, that oneness there. He says that I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice. I don't want, I'm not interested in a dead sacrifice. I have, you know, I'm not interested in goats and all that, uh, lambs. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in your body being a living sacrifice. So that tells me that if I'm going to submit to God, I have to submit my body to God also. Even though this flesh is no good thing in it, I'm living in it. You're living in it. We cannot exist without it. You take this earth suit off, 
and you won't be on the earth. It's just simple as that. This is our our, our earth suit. We 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 when we drop this off, then we're gonna not be here. So he said, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But it, he he didn't say now just a sacrifice. He said a living sacrifice and a holy sacrifice. He's not interested in a dead sacrifice, a dead body. He's not interested in you giving your body to be burned or anything like I said that in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. He said, now I want it to be a living sacrifice, and I want it to be a holy sacrifice. And so all the, 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 the young people hearing me uh, on the YouTube and everywhere, uh, Facebook, you know that God is not interested in you giving your body to each other and submitting your body to somebody just because they say they love you. God said, I want a holy sacrifice. And that's what he's saying. I know everybody here is, is old and you don't, you don't, you don't well, <laughs> no, you're not. You're not at all. You're not at all. <laughs> no, you're not at all. You're not at all. But he does want us to, uh, want us to be a holy sacrifice, doesn't he? He wants to be a holy sacrifice. And we can't be a holy sacrifice giving our body to anybody and anything that's unholy. Because we, after all, he says submit, didn't he? Yeah, he says submit. See? Then he says that I want you to be not conformed to the world. In other words, um, the Greek in that is that I don't, I don't want the world pressing you into its mold. Yeah. Like you bake a cake and you have several containers you can pour the dough in. You can pour it in a butt pan. You can pour it in a flat pan. You can do a lot of things with it like that, can't you? And if you put it in a butt pan, that dough is not going to come out flat. It's going to come out looking just like that pan. And so he's saying, don't let the world pour you into its mold because you're going to come out looking just like the world. You're going to have to resist that. So you're going to offer your bodies a living sacrifice and a holy sacrifice. We're going to be not conformed or poured into the world's mold. And it says that he wants to be transformed. And we know that word transformed because we've talked about it so many times in the past. It's like a butterfly before it was a butterfly. Butterflies don't turn into caterpillars. Caterpillars turn into what? Butterflies. So that's the transformation from where we are to what God wants for us. He wants our mind to be like a butterfly from a caterpillar. He wants us to be to go from thinking the way the world thinks and the way people tell us to think to the way God wants us to think. That's what he wants. Let's go to Matthew, the last scripture. Now, Matthew chapter 10. Let's go to verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are hard words. 
Because to a parent or to a child, I mean, everybody, unless your parent deceased, you know, like mine, you know, you, you, you love your parents. You love your parents. And you look out for them. God tells you to look out for them. Less than an infidel if we don't take care of our own household. And it says that the same way about a child, you, you just know that a parent is going to love their children. It's just the way it is. It's going to love the children. They'll do for their child before they'll do for themselves. They love their child. And so he says, but look, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a new thing here so you can get some understanding. A, a, a young adult or a, a teenager, if you love your mother or father more than me, you're not worthy of me. There's something to tell a 15, 16, 17-year-old listener. Or to turn around and say, you know, if you love your children more than you love me, not worthy of me. That's something to tell parents. He says in verse 38, and he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And Jesus had a cross he had to bear. He had to do something that was not too pleasant. And if we want to boil it down to what really he had to do, I told you, read it to you last week, what did he say that he did that all the world, so that all the world would know this, that he loved the Father? What did he say? Oh, y'all forgot. That's okay. No. I'm going to tell you again. You can write it on your hand. This is what, this what <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to tell you again now. But this, this, you, you remember when I tell you that. He said that, so that, when we're talking about oneness now, we're talking about oneness last week. He said, so that the world would know that I love the Father, I do exactly what he tells me to do. You remember that? That's what, that's what he said. That's what he said. Exactly. Exactly. So when he went to the cross, what was he doing? He was following what the, what the father said. He had to go to the cross. You know, he had to get, get some experience there. But he, he said, not my will, but uh, thy will be done. So he went to the cross because that's what the father Expected him to do, wanted him to do, had he had to do to redeem us, all of mankind. He had to do that, to go to the cross. And so what do we have to do to obey what the Father tells us to do? I don't know, well, you know, because everybody's not the same necessarily. The things that he's telling me to do this is, oh, this is hard. Oh, my goodness gracious, do I have to do this? Do I really have to do this? Uh, see, yours might be different than mine. And, and, and the, uh, somebody else might be different than yours. But it's some things that God, and, and then sometimes it changes too. Because we say, oh, man, I'm glad I did that. Oh, I'm glad that cross is over with. No, it's never going to be over with. We're always going to be doing what the Father said. Always. And once he finished one thing, he'll, he'll bring another up. He's not going to deal with everything at the same time. He's trying to uh, draw us closer and closer to himself. That's called sanctification. We know sanctification, don't you? Sanctification is you become more and more like Jesus. So this is what he tells us to do. And if he says that, and he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Verse 39 says, he who has found his life We'll lose it. That's an that's a interesting saying, isn't it? And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Which means, how can I lose my life without dying? 
How can I find my life and be dead and then I find how can I, how, how, what is he talking about here? Because he's telling us that your life is not your own. So what I want you to do is that he didn't say go drown yourself. He says that lose his life for my sake. We'll find it. So he's telling us that, um, look, if you're going to submit, there's a cost to it. And I want you to, I, I want you to lose your life for my sake and the gospel, and you'll find your life. You, you know, I've told you, I told you last week, I think last week was one of the times I told you, is that I don't have a life. You remember I told you that? We don't have a life. If our life, if my life is hid with Christ in God, where is your life? With Christ in God. So do you have a life? You don't have a life. Your life now has been given to Christ. And it's hid with Christ in God. And so he said, if you do that, you'll find it. You'll find it. But that's a cost, isn't it? You're going to have to, uh, you're going to, have to take, up, take up your cross and follow him because some things are, 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 are kind of hard he's asking you to do, but it's going to turn out, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be so glorious. There's nothing that God asks us to do that's not going to, that he hasn't done. And so those are the, the things that he said uh, under pursuit intimacy with him, these are three scriptures I want you to draw some things from and I want you to do. I want you to submit. I want you to resist. I want you to draw near to me. I want you to, you know, uh, offer your body a living sacrifice and a holy sacrifice. I want you to, you know, just yield your body and I want you to transform your mind. And if you're doing that, oh, I'm going to draw near to you. As you're cleansing your hands and purifying your heart, I'm going to draw near to you. And pretty soon, you're going to realize that, man, I'm so close to God. I'm so close. Wouldn't it be great for God to say that, you know that couple down there? You know that single down there? You know that? First angel, hey, come here. Look at that. Do you realize that we are tight? We are so tight. You can't even tell us apart. Look, angel, look down there. Look down there. And we know he'll, he'll tell, you know, how he told Satan about Job. Yeah. So, God likes to brag on you. He really does. He likes to brag on you. Let's give him an opportunity to do that. We want to receive communion, but before we do that, uh, if there's anyone here that has not given their lives to Jesus Christ, or anyone in the hearing of my voice, um, if you haven't given your lives to Christ, uh, today is not the day you take communion, uh, but once, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to give you that opportunity right now, uh, you can receive communion. God says that he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said that if you confess your mouth to the Lord Jesus and leave your heart, God's raising from the dead, you'll be saved. So, it's an opportunity. It's not a whole lot of pretty, pretty words you have to say. But you do have to believe in your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the, he is the way, the truth. He's everything. He's everything.
if you take the bread out the right way for. Yeah. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night that in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we want to take this way for representing body of Christ and say thank you Father for giving your body for us Lord we thank you for that Lord and we praise you for that Lord and then when he had given thanks he broke that, and then says in verse 26, 25, in the same way, he took the cup also at the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for your blood. There's no remission of sins without shedding of blood. We thank you for shedding your holy, precious blood for us, Lord. When he had done that, they sang a hymn and left. And I'd like the worship team to come over, come up. And uh, the song that you're singing, I want you to think on the things that we've been talking about the last four messages on, you know, really trusting in God, having faith in him, not worrying about things. Just drawing close to him. Let's take this opportunity to do that. It's a good thing to go out singing. Thank you, worship team, for coming back up. When we finish this song, and um, Laura, you're leading it, so uh, whoever's going to close will come up as soon as they finish the song, uh, come up and give us the closing blessing.
Oh 
the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Draw near to God this week and he'll give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.